0: From Postmedia, I'm Ian Plater and this is XY, a show about mental health in men. On today's episode, we'll be catching up with writer, presenter and social media superstar Jim Chapman. Over the last decade, Jim has amassed an unrivaled social media following and worked with most household names. Not just an influencer, Jim published his first book back in 2007 and has more recently moved into film, with his first script already in production. As someone who's been working in social media since its first big boom, I wanted to sit down with him and discuss what it was like being catapulted into the public eye. We spoke a lot about how this has affected him over the years, and latterly we chatted about his childhood, which, in his book 147 Things, he speaks about very candidly. Myself and Jim met a few years back through work and have kept in touch ever since. That said, this is the first time we've sat down to chat about mental health. Like most men out there, we tend to keep the conversation light-hearted, even when we know we want to open up. As always, today's episode is not to be taken as advice. This is just a conversation between two people and should be treated as such. If you are looking for some support, I've left the details of some really great resources in the show notes, including those of Time to Change, the mental health anti-stigma movement with whom I have partnered for the first series of XY. More specifically, I wanted to draw attention to their Ask Twice campaign. Sometimes we say we're fine when we're really not. To find out how our loved ones are doing, their campaign urges us to ask twice. A simple, are you sure you're okay, can make all the difference. Okay, that's enough of me. Let's get on with the show. Jim Chapman, we are recording. Excellent news. How are you doing today? I'm
1: alright, thank you. I've been, it's kind of, it's strange to have a conversation between the two of us that's recorded, because a lot of what we say shouldn't be recorded. Should never be recorded.
0: <laughs> um, it does feel a little bit weird. It was literally just thinking that on the way here right i'm even hearing myself speak differently i've put on my um you
1: voice, my radio voice yeah i'm looking at you from from across the table as well and you've got earphones on and I know it feels like a completely dynamic so strange
0: on today's show i just wanted to go through a few different topic areas mm. um i guess the first place that i wanted to start off in terms of chatting to you around the topic of mental health okay related to going a little bit back to the beginning so How would you describe what it is that you do today? Because it's a very multifaceted profession that you've now got. So how would you describe, what's your, what's your job these days, Jim?
1: It's, oh God, it's really hard to describe my job. And it's particularly hard to describe my job without sounding like a wanker. Um, (laughs) Because it's, I hate the word influencer. Okay. Um, and I've
0: heard you say that quite a few times, actually, that you're yeah, not Yeah, it just feels really word.
1: Machiavellian to me. Yeah. Um, I'm aware that that's kind of the blanket term that people like me are given. But when I say people like me, I don't really mean me because I've, I had a lot of, well, I like to think I've had a lot of foresight with my career and I thought that it wouldn't last forever. So I made steps to make sure that I could continue doing what I love doing and also branch out into new avenues. So when people ask me what I do, I say I'm a writer and presenter. I'm very fortunate that I was here. I was kind of first to the punch doing yeah. what I do. I don't kid myself into thinking that I'm particularly... I don't think I'm exceptionally better at my job than the next person to me uh-huh. um I just think that I was there early and went wow this is a thing now and I and I gripped onto it and I grafted and I've worked really hard and had a lot of sort of foresight to make sure that I'm still here um and I was there kind of before the flood yeah in a way. And now the thing is that everyone with a phone can be an influencer if doing. they wish um and I have the credibility now of doing all the hosting that I've done and working with the best brands and being the guy for a while so i'm quite lucky that a lot of my stuff sort of self-sustains i get um a lot of opportunities through from excellent brands that kind of give me uh exciting things to be able to do but it's also eternally terrifying that it won't last forever and i need to make sure that um there's something after because i would hate for example the internet to explode or something terrible <laughs> to happen and then i'm suddenly unemployable yeah or you know uh, so that's why i've been spending a lot of time doing other things and i feel like now i'm confident enough in my career to know that or at least to feel that if that were to happen, I'd be okay.
0: Yeah, you've diversified enough.
1: I like to think, but this is what everyone else tells me. I I mean, I'm sure everyone feels this way, people listening to this, whether you work in an office or you do a creative role or you've got a nine to five or you travel for a living or whatever it is. I'm sure everyone thinks that um, it could all come crashing down very soon. No one feels that secure. So... I take solace in the fact that other people tell me that I'm doing well and that um, I have diversified a lot and that um, I am, uh, again, in quotation marks, more than the sum of my parts. Yeah, I
0: guess um, there's like a little bit of um, an interesting comparison in what you say, though, because I can remember back in yesteryear at the the kind of the dawn of socials, Mm. the genesis of it all, YouTubers... There was this kind of weird couple of years where there was these big conferences and mm. thousands of teenagers were swarming you guys, and it did look from the outside like the Beatles. You know, like there was this there was this yeah. bizarre thing where you guys were just kids yourself. Mm. But I don't know.
1: Listen, I loved that yeah. as well. I do not. I, I have no sort of. Um, I look at it now with sort of nostalgia and it was such a wonderful time. I was really fortunate to be there at the very beginning and there was a group in America and a group in the UK and I was in the group in the UK who sort of pioneered it in a way and it was so exciting to be the first people ever to like sell out um, venues and have people literally scream. I remember being in Canada, we did a tour of America and Canada and we sold out the venue and... The security at the venue had no idea who we were, as, you know, why would they? Yeah. Um, what I didn't realise is that everyone else in the venue did know who we were and were kind of massive fans. I remember getting escorted to the car, but security didn't take us through the back. So a crowd, so it must be been like or 5,000 people, just came charging at the car. And we were all just stuck there and they were like shaking it. And I, I have to be honest, I <laughs> thought it was really cool. I was yeah, like, oh my fair. God, it's like being in a boy band. Some of the other people were a bit scared because you Know it is quite a scary situation, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that for me was a time when I realized and I was like, wow, it's a little not to the same level, but it's a little like Beatlemania or something. Yeah. Like people kind of lost it and it was cool. That being said, I'm very happy that time's over. It has definitely affected me in that way, yeah. Kind of being I, I often feel like I'm being watched even if I'm not, yeah. You know,
0: how do you deal with that? Because I guess you've been very jovial and light hearted about it, yeah. but from the outside looking in. The idea of not being able to go to the shops in my trackies Mm. would really annoy me.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, since I've been an adult, it's been the case. In a way, I started doing this quite young, but I moved to London when I was 24, 25, maybe. So... Since since I am um, and before then it happened because I actually well, I moved to London because I had to move out of Norwich because people were uh, found out where I lived and, right. were, and I was thinking well do I stay in Norwich um, and keep commuting back and forth or do I just go to London and then people found out where I lived in Norwich I'm like knocking on the door and were throwing <sighs> sweets over the fence to my back garden sweets yeah through, I mean it could have been dog poo couldn't it or yeah. bricks to the window so it's quite sweet yeah man. it's nice um, but it got to the point where I was thinking well I need to move anyway so do I kind of make the move and go to London. So obviously it was kind of career defining heading here because I I could be much more reactive to the work. But it was a symptom of what was happening in a way. I I, I wasn't planning on moving right then and there, but people found out where I lived and kind of felt the need to go. Um, Because I
0: guess social media um, in one way or another is about human interaction, but it's human interaction en masse. And if you have 2 million followers, then that is en masse. Yeah. How has that impacted you in terms of, or has it potentially not at all, but genuine human interaction in life? Has it has it kind of left a mark on you insofar as um, IRL is tougher or not no, so much?
1: I'm, I'm actually much, but it's taught me a lot. I, I think there's a massive difference between someone like myself because I don't like the word celebrity or famous around myself because yeah. I feel like a lot of So, for example, I I get to hang out with a lot of actual celebrities for my my job, and I'm quite friendly with some of them now. If and when they get stopped on the... For one thing, they get stopped on the street less, because people will know who they are for what they do. Okay. So they may be like... um, Let's think of an example. Sam Claflin, for example. He's from Norwich, too. People may get, oh, there's Sam Claflin. I recognise him as the guy from Pirates of the Caribbean or as the guy from, you know, whatever film he's in or whatever. They like him for what he does the characters that he right? or a musician they like them because of their voice and, and yeah. the songs they make whereas for me people like me because I communicate with them directly as me yeah. so quite often people will wave at me like they know me I'll be like oh hi Jim and then they'll like clap their hand over their <laughs> mouth and realise that they don't actually know me or at least I don't actually know them so yeah. it's really lovely to be and I mean this genuinely it is really lovely for them to feel a connection to me yeah. and I guess I feel a bit of a connection to them but I, they are total strangers to me so um, it's. It has really improved. I was very shy before doing this as a job. I was younger, so maybe part of its age, but I definitely attribute a lot of it to my job doing. Especially when I started doing it, I always say it's a really anti a really anti social way of being social. Right. So essentially, I could stay in my bedroom all day, but reach millions of people, yeah. just by talking to a camera. So I don't yeah. actually have to, to talk to another human being. Um, but then you get to the point where. You start getting offers. So someone goes, "Hey, come to London and have a meeting with me. Let's go do brunch." Or um, you yeah. know, a brand goes, "I'll send you some stuff." So at some point, you have to meet people in real life, and I think that is where a lot of a lot of influencers sink or swim. Right? Because especially in the early days, because it was nerds who were doing it. We a lot of people who started doing it had no friends. Yeah. That's because you know when we first started doing it, it wasn't really a thing to be doing because no. everyone else my age would have been out with their mates. In the pub, or skateboarding, or causing mischief, or whatever yeah. they were up to, but they would have, have actual friends. I didn't have that many friends. Oh, but don't get me wrong, I wasn't lonely, but I didn't have loads of friends, and so it was a way of me communicating with people. Yeah, um, I wasn't so good at doing it one on one in in reality, but it got to the point where I had offers, and I was like, well, I'm either going to not do this, or I think I kind of g- grasp onto where this may be heading and start actually talking to people. And now I host events live and I talk to like Harrison Ford yeah. on on stage. So kind of it's, it's changed me as a person and I'm much more confident now, yeah. you know?
0: So leaving the proverbial bedrooms easier and easier than it used to be.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. And actually I'm at a stage in my career now where I'm more comfortable than I ever, ever, have, than I ever have been before. I have, again, lots of people recognize me, but it's much less, is, uh, you know, I actually, I texted my girlfriend the other day because someone cried. it Has been the first <laughs> time in years that someone cried at me because it used to happen all the time. Nice. And I, you know, I, I'm not saying this to sort of sound really cool or anything, but it's just that you know, yeah, the, the way, the way it was. And I texted, her, "Oh my god, I had my first crier for years," <laughs> uh, and <laughs> it brought me back to the days when it was like being in a boy band. Yeah. Um, but you know, like with a boy band, they grow up and the fans get older with them, and, yeah. and the fans they get boyfriends, girlfriends, jobs, careers, lives. They move on with their stuff and then you are less important to them so now that tends to be people will either see me and nudge their mates or they'll take a picture of me from across the room which that that does annoy me actually yeah Um, because i'm like if you want a picture come and ask
0: and i think with growing up as well um i think it would be no i think you would probably agree if not definitely agree that your content's grown up with you you've changed massively Mm. and not just you but i think that for me initial youtuber vlogger Mm. fandom it was guys jumping in bathtubs for the beans and like doing all like i'm gonna dye my hair pink for the day challenges and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. whereas your contents become way more editorial and sartorial as you've gotten older Mm. um one video in particular that came before the recent um I don't want to say a trend because that's quite flippant but trend of men being more open and honest mm. was you actually published a video where you spoke about your mental health right really openly on YouTube yeah um what was the what was the motivation to do that because men don't
1: yeah, share for me it's not something I've, I've ever really been shy of it's just something I'd ever mentioned because I didn't realize how important it was, it was yeah. I'd actually so I've been seeing a therapist for the last like 6 years or so maybe a little bit longer okay. um and i actually am in pretty good mental shape at the moment because i i've been doing it so long i now talk to her once every maybe once a fortnight, like once a month depending on kind of what's mm-hmm. going on but at this point it's kind of mental admin yeah just to get things down and out of my mind but for a long time it was much deeper than that but and, but every once in a while i'll have a moment where i'll feel really shit basically and my what i tend to do is go into myself i don't want to talk to anybody i don't want to be around people i just kind of disappear for a bit and i went through a time where maybe for about a fortnight i just felt like meh and meh it's actually a massive understatement i i i, I don't ever get as bad as i used to like i don't yeah. get i don't have particularly dark thoughts now but i just feel low mm-hmm. and i feel um Which I'm
0: sure loads of people can relate to. Right.
1: But I came out of... I started to feel a bit better and I happened to read an article um, which something along the lines of, I think, male suicide is now the second biggest killer of men in the UK.
0: The, the single biggest killer of men in the UK. Killer, right. Under 45. Right.
1: Yeah. And, and that's totally my age bracket. You know, I'm yeah. 31. So it's, it's, it's between, it's under, under 45, is it, it between a bracket. I think it's like 20 to 45 or something. I do actually it? know where
0: the the down
1: limit is right. on that. I just know it's under 45. But I remember reading it and just thinking, Christ, well, I reach a lot of people on the internet. Yeah. And if me talking about it openly and honestly will encourage... Someone I know it sounds really cliche and everyone says this now, like, but if it could reach a single person, yeah, and um, let you know one, let them know that they're not the only person and they're not, certainly not the only man doing it, yeah, and that it's totally okay to feel shit sometimes and that help is there, um, then that's good enough. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't even really need to think about doing it. I just sort of thought, right, I've got to make, I'm going to make this video now. And I turned the camera on and went. Um, the feedback was incredible yeah. i still get people now talk, like dming me or well, tweeting me um a lot of a lot of men just saying i didn't realize how much i needed this or, mm-hmm. or they did realize how much i needed it and we're going through a really dark time but kind of were it opened i think a lot of doors i suppose for a lot yeah. of people who who, who felt trapped because part of my thing when i go through a bit of a dark time is that i feel trapped and i feel like there's no way out and i think maybe a lot of other men do too and yeah, completely. The, sometimes you get so low that the easiest way out is to take your own life um
0: that's the really scary thing is that um i've i've said it a couple of times in the show now but knowing that the statistic is it's the biggest killer of young men under mm-hmm. 45 when you reframe that as the single biggest thing that's likely to kill me is myself, right? That's is like, mental,
1: isn't it? That's terrifying. Yeah. you know,
0: like that is mental. It's, well, I mean,
1: whatever world we're we living in, for that to be the case, yeah. I actually wrote a little bit about this. Didn't go quite as deep as this bit in my book. I wrote a little bit about it. Like, essentially, we're still apes yeah. that walk upright. We're just a bit smarter. So we <laughs> we're 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 supposed to live in a world where the, our only stress is: are we going to get enough to eat? are we having enough sex and is there a bigger ape that's going to kill us or is there like a saber-toothed cat that's going to rip my (laughs) jugular out, right? That's kind of it. It's supposed to be short term. It's supposed to be a quick, short, sharp, oh my God, I'm really stressed, run away, fight, find food, whatever. And then you go back to base. But nowadays we have mortgages and we have exams and we have like careers. All this weird stuff. All this weird shit that, that was never around before and it prolongs stress. And we also have weird connections that we make based on our childhood or not even our childhood based on things that happen to us but we make connections and then we continue operating in that way so a lot of the this is why i don't like giving advice about it because i know that whatever sets me off may be the opposite for someone else but a lot of my things stem from my childhood um and at the time when i was a kid the coping strategies i had made sense but as an adult i bring them into my life and all it actually does is take me away from people when actually I need people to to help me through. Yeah. Um so it's really important I think to challenge that. Yeah. Um and you know me making that video I think opened enough eyes or enough ears or whatever it was for people to go oh you know what I I that's okay that I I feel this way and he yeah. does too and there's I'm Doing what I do and doing it at the level that I do with lots of followers, I guess i I'm very fortunate enough and again, going back to that thing about celebrities versus people like me, I have a real connection with people, yeah, so the fact that I can articulate it in a way where I couldn't offer these people help, I could just let them know that no, it you, happens to me too, yeah, um but I could advise them to seek their own help or at least open up um
0: do you think it's um because there's that old thing about performing to an audience of two is harder than two hundred. Mm. Do you think there was an element of it was easier to share that video with the world than it would have been to talk to um talk to a friend about it? Because I'm I'm yeah, trying maybe. to draw Yeah, I'm trying to draw a mental comparison where if I struggle to open up about how I'm feeling with another individual, I'm trying to think, would I actually prefer to Mm. Speak to the world about it. I don't know where you're know. I feel
1: like on. I mean, like you're like my best mate, and I feel like I've <laughs> never spoken to you about it, have I personally? No, and I've done the. I don't think you've ever spoken to me about it personally.
0: No, and I've definitely had days where I've I've shown up um, to the gym or to to the pub or whatever, and you said, "How are you?" And I've gone, "Yeah, fine," even though not? and I, I've not been right. And I think the language we use is so important because even you saying earlier how you could describe how you're feeling is meh. And then you corrected yourself and went, Well, actually no, it wasn't meh. It was yeah. it was really quite bad. Yeah. There is this real deep desire, I think, in built in us to protect ourselves to go, yeah, fine, or no, nah, mm. could be better. But right. actually what you want to say is I'm really upset.
1: Yeah. It is I think yeah, may- maybe it was. I don't know. I'm actually very open with it now, but maybe that's since that video. So for example, I had a day the other day so so my things my therapist always says this if you're tired hungry ill or stressed that's when you're more likely to get like a a bad day yeah i had a cold i hadn't slept a great deal i'm currently moving house which is very stressful and i had a big day at work so i felt just a lot of pressure you Mm -hmm. know and it was stuff that on any other day would have been totally fine but because i was just feeling a bit shit anyway right it's how you got on top of me and i and i um my girlfriend was like you're all right i was like honestly not today i feel really low and she was like, all right i'll just Come for a cuddle. Um, so yeah. she literally just came and got me, you know? Um, Which is so
0: important. It's like I think part of the the hesitancy to saying how you're feeling sometimes, at least for me anyway, is a concern that someone's gonna try and fix it. Yeah. And sometimes I don't need you to right. fucking fix it. I just need you to be like, That sucks, don't worry about it. Yeah, like, and actually
1: sometimes people trying to fix it is the worst thing. Yeah. Um and sometimes it makes me a bit mad if I'm having a bad day. I've worked so extensively now with my therapist that I kind of know what to do. It's easier said than done, don't get me wrong. Like, sometimes knowing what to do and doing it are totally different. But every once in a while, I just have to allow myself that day to go, right, this day's a write-off, it's okay. Yeah. I'll work on it tomorrow when I've had a sleep or something. But when people try, unless they know, so for example, my therapist knows the right things to say to me if I'm having a shit day and she can help me work through it. But if somebody else sort of rationalizes it for you or because what we all do is we put our, we put someone else's thoughts in our own head. Yeah. Right. You, Cause that's our only frame of reference. How, like if you're having a bad day, I'll be like, what are you worried about? Because it what worries you wouldn't worry me. Yeah. So I'll try and rationalize it for you, but it would be so far off the mark mm-hmm. because it's not the way your mind works. Yeah. So what you would Probably, if you're me, because that's just what I do, I'd go, I'd go, yeah, 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 you're right, and I'd appreciate your effort, but I'd also be thinking, fuck off, you're totally wrong, do shut up. Yeah, um,
0: Absolutely, because it's, it's one of those things that I've had situations where I've got myself really wound up about, like, spilt milk, quite literally right. spilt milk, or spilt soup, or I've dropped a sandwich. And if you were to ask me what's wrong, the answer would be I've dropped my sandwich, or I've spilled my milk, or right. I've dropped my soup. But if your solution to that was, well, clean up the soup, or buy some new soup, I'd be fucking livid at you because it's like, well, no, obviously this is not about SIP, you right. know? Um, so yeah, those solutions aren't always yeah. the most helpful thing. Some, to, to sometimes
1: offer. you just, sometimes um, the person that you're talking to just needs to listen. And sometimes the person who's talking just needs to talk yeah. and get it off their, off their chest. If it's particularly bad and, you know, I fully encourage therapy for for everyone, even yeah. if you're actually, I remember when I first started and I can't remember how we talked about, we sort of mentioned how, you know, um, everyone needs someone to talk to. And I went, not me, I'm totally fine. And she just sort of said to me, you've got your stuff. You've yeah. got your stuff. I know you do. And I was like, whatever. Then I went home um, and I remember talking to her going, do you think I've actually have got my stuff? Have I got stuff? And my ex was like, yeah, probably don't worry about <laughs> it, but it really played on my mind. So I, so I booked him a session on my own. Yeah. And, um, It unraveled. And it's one of those things where it, you know, it it sucks to say this, but for me, it got worse before it got better. Yeah. Because you have to be aware of what you're doing. You have to pick that scab. Yeah, not what you're doing wrong. Wrong's the wrong word, but you you have to be aware of the way your mind currently operates. Yeah. So you can start challenging it and make new connections and start doing things in a slightly different way. And that awareness sometimes is frustrating because you know what you're doing isn't productive but you can't not do it until yeah. so you learn the techniques and you learn sort of new ways of thinking. So for me, it's kind of a double-edged sword that my job is wicked and I have the best time doing it and I get to be really creative for a living and it's so amazing, but it lacks any security. And one of my things is I, I feel like I'm treading water constantly. Yeah. Um, and there's a balance there. Yeah. Sometimes the balance is swift, and then every once in a while I feel like I'm drowning. You know? yeah. And that's... It's taken me a long time to sort of come to terms with that, but also learn to to readjust slightly so I know how to kind of function when I'm feeling that way. Yeah. You know, and um use that to to kind of drive me. Or or sometimes what well, another one of my things is because I feel like I'm drowning, I don't take time off which yeah. then exacerbates the issue because I'm running on empty yeah. and I feel worse and worse and worse until suddenly i just kind of have a bit of a, bit of a, car a, crash a breakdown moment. or a car crash moment, or I just totally go dark and don't talk to anyone. So actually now I, I have to allow myself time off, which just goes against everything I've ever learned, yeah. you know? Um, but I, again, it comes with practice.
0: Yeah, totally. You know? And giving yourself that mental space.
1: Yeah. It's, it's for me, it's really important. And again, it won't work for everyone, but, i now have have learned enough about myself that i'm better i still have a lot of work to do and i'm still kind of i'm quite zen most of the time but yeah i still have moments you've always
0: struck me as that you've always struck me as a very like put together zen guy yeah
1: well i'm much more chill about everyone else's shit yeah you know um and i'm i think i'm a good listener and i get part of that i guess it's because i've been seeing someone for so long i'm quite good at um sort of not giving too much advice. Yeah. Um and I I tend not to let the little stuff get me. But you saw me just before this podcast. Yeah. I'm having a bit of a meltdown because I've got quite a few things to do today. Yeah. So Some I'm moving house, been. so I'm looking at all the house stuff, like decorating, but I'm not sure when I'm moving house yet because I'm waiting on my solicitor. So everything's got a question mark. But then I've got to find a builder and I've got to find, you know, lots of little stuff. Yeah. Plus then my job as well. So It's that sort of thing which is just kind of weighing me down a little bit today. So I feel a bit like... But what I know is that after this, I'll do a little bit more. So I've ticked a few boxes. So I know I've done enough that I can then sign off for the rest of the day. I'll do do a workout and then I'll just chill.
0: Yeah, totally. And I think that is the thing, isn't it? It's like in the moment, it can feel really overwhelming. But actually... Mm. It's just the foresight to know, like, like this right. is going to be okay. I just need to, like...
1: Right. And in reality, the things I'm doing are picking a kitchen that doesn't exist yet. Because, Could be worse. Right? You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, It's nice. It's not like I'm starving to death. But that's what, again, it's really important. I think a lot of people have sort of guilt about mental health. Mm-hmm. They're like, what have I... Cause, you know, look at me. I, I have a very cool career. I earn good money. You know, I, don't, I haven't bought clothes for God knows how long because I get them all sent to me for free. You know, I, I have a really charmed existence. And I felt really guilty to begin with about having a bad day. Yeah. I'd be thinking, well, there are people out there who are literally starving to death or yeah. they're living on the breadline, or they are living in a, in a house that they can't afford or yeah. whatever. What, what's my excuse? And my therapist is like, it doesn't matter. You live in your world. You're in your head. You're not in anybody else's. Yeah. You're entitled to feel sure bad, shit, you know? Yeah. So yeah, there is sometimes I have a bit of a reality check and I go, well, listen, picking a kitchen isn't the end of the world. But then I'm like, yeah, but I'm entitled to feel yeah, totally. worried about it. And I recognize that. So now I have to sort of take the correct steps to start feeling better. Yeah, completely. Mm.
0: Um, I think one thing I did want to talk to you about, um, was your book. Cause you're a published author, 147
1: mm. things. Yes. What, how would you describe that book? Um, my, the book is kind of about just stuff that I find fascinating yeah. with a little bit of, uh, anecdotal humor in there. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. um, and just kind of, general kind of mischief yeah i like to think but it's one of those places one of those books that you can pick up and open at any point and just find lots of just i
0: I, it's a very coffee table it's kind of a coffee table but yeah yeah, uh, you can kind of just learn a thing about an apes fur or some totally yeah
1: i've I've just always found like what if is something i ask myself quite a lot on on how like what on earth was the first ever living thing you know how do you go from like sludge and to this, to, to, you know, sentient beings, it's bonkers. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just, just the world we live in fascinates me and it always has. So yeah. um, things like the fact that lobsters could essentially be immortal, you know, <laughs> if, if they didn't die of disease or get eaten uh, and it wasn't for the fact that they'd crushed themselves to death in their own shell. They could live forever. Yeah. They don't have these these things in their, DNA, in their DNA called like telomeres, which kind of are like the shoelace, you know, at the end of your shoelace, you get a little plasticky bit. Yeah. So it stops it fraying. They don't have that. So they can essentially keep replicating their DNA forever and could potentially live forever if it wasn't for the fact that they shed their shells and eventually they get too large to get out. So they end up getting scar tissue and then we'll just sort of suffocate in there.
0: How horrific.
1: Right. Tough way to go. Most of them don't make it that far anyway, because they'll die from disease or get eaten or whatever. But essentially, left to their own devices and given help to get out of their shells, they could they potentially keep going live for forever. Yeah, yeah. That sort of thing just boggles my mind. So the the book is full of like interesting things that, that really open my eyes a little. Yeah. You know, and, and I just kind of for me. Because I've a, heard
0: you talk about it before, as the book give you perspective. Yeah, that's exactly what I
1: was going to say. Yeah, it yeah. kind of gives me a bit of perspective, a bit of perspective on kind of us, life, my stuff. Yeah. You know, everything. I just think it, it kind of helps me to to realize my place in the world yeah. and in a job that I do, where everything is Jim Chapman. It's nice to to realize how actually insignificant I am. Mm-hmm. I and mean, one of the things I often tell myself is that if I were to die today, right? Mean, lots of people would be like my family and everything would would and my friends would be gutted obviously and they'd mourn <laughs> me. But my audience would be like, Oh, that's a shame. I liked him, you know, and they might be feel a bit sad because they've connected with me in some way, but their lives would go on. Yeah. I'm not that important. So if I don't upload a video, or I don't upload a uh an Instagram or I don't go to an event one evening the world continues to turn and yeah. no one's sitting there. It's not like if, if I don't go to, uh, let's say, I don't know, a GQ Awards event. Not like the entire world's going, where's Jim Chapman? Yeah. You know, no one cares that much. If I do go, they're like, oh, there he is. He's wearing a suit. He looks nice. But, but I can equally sit and watch Love Island. And it's. I
0: guess it's important to kind of recognize that the this big show that we're all in, it's not the only thing in the universe.
1: Right. you know. totally. And I, I ha- I, what I have to remind myself quite a lot is my job is what I do, it's not who I am. Yeah. Um, so it kind of keeps my feet on the ground because the thing about this career is that there is no end goal in a way. You can become more famous and earn more money um, or it can all come crashing down, but to what end? Yeah. Like what's the point in being more famous if if you're just going to kind of get stressed about then be more, famous, more yeah. famous, or the fact that you'll it will slip away, and then you're constantly grafting to. It's kind of like a the goalposts keep moving, yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's good for me just to. Just to remind myself that I'm not actually that important. Yeah. You know?
0: Which, which kind of sounds like, oh, don't beat yourself up. But actually, there is something quite nice about that scale of anonymity. Yeah. You know, like
1: it's, it's okay. Like, this is one of the things that I tell people sometimes. And before I do, I always disclaim I'm like, hear me out. It sounds negative, but let me get to the end point before I, before I, you know, reveal (laughs) kind of what it actually means to me.
0: I guess as well in the book, it wasn't, it, It's got all that like fun stuff, but it was also the first time you'd spoken about some much heavier things Mm. from your life. You know, like in that book, there's um, there's points that you talk about domestic abuse. You Mm. talk about the difficult relationship you had with your father. Mm -hmm. You talk about the death of your stepfather. And Mm. I guess I'd be curious to know why then? What was it about writing the book that you decided to kind of bear all a little bit more?
1: Yeah, I think there are things that are much better written yeah um like the things with my dad for example were i don't know i feel like making a video on it one it feels a little um i don't know i feel like doing it in a video it just feels a little trite maybe yeah in some way and a bit sort of clickbaity i don't yeah i don't people to think that i wouldn't do it for that purpose and i wouldn't want people to think that i have Mm. um and it also, it t- it's one of those things where, for example, if I'm presenting something, I get a take at it. You know, if I'm making a YouTube video, obviously I can edit and I can retake something if I need to. But it's really hard to get all your thoughts out concisely when you're just chatting. Yeah. But when you're writing, I, I can go back. So I think I wrote that bit about my dad, for example, once. And I went back to it again. And then when it got edited and we kind of kept getting, you know, trying to make sure it Tugging at had the right tone and it hit the key points. But in a way that was... You know right for for the book so it had the, the the right sort of um feel about it i didn't want to point fingers i didn't want anyone to feel guilty I, it was mm. there was it was quite heavy and quite weighted and i didn't want it to i also wanted, wanted to make it known that yes although it affected my mental health in in ways that i'm still dealing with now you could have had the best childhood in the world and you'd still you could still have mental health mental health issues because yeah. it's not necess- it's not a, like a top trumps of who's had the worst childhood no. at all um i know people that have had really charmed existences and were brought up with money and yeah. loving parents and they still have issues because it's just the way we connect things yeah. um
0: i trip over that i've i'm i'm very lucky to have lived a relatively grief free life mm. you know like ch- childhood was great two parents that love me can't really think of any serious disease in the family can't Mm. really think of any massive upset which sometimes makes me feel guilty when i feel less than okay right because it's like well what right have you got to kind of
1: totally yeah so Uh, i hear what you're saying but yeah and I, i didn't i would hate for people to have read that also let's say i made a video about it i'd hate for people to watch the video And then think, wow, Jim had it rough as a kid. Mm. What's my excuse? Why do I feel shit today? Mm -hmm. You know, I I wouldn't want to add guilt to people if they're already having a... Do you know what I mean? It's it's quite... There is, for the most part, doing my job, people often tell me if I feel responsible for my audience. And I don't. I actually make my content and I own my decisions. And I think... I don't feel the need to explain things to people. I'm like, this is what I do for a living. I really love my job. I'll have a bit of fun. I'll be a bit cheeky. I'll make the odd joke here and there. I don't necessarily feel like I'm a role model or a, or a, or, a, or anything like that. A lot of people say that I am, and I'm cool. You know, if they want to put that on me, that's fine. Cool. But I don't feel the pressure of it. However, when it comes to people's minds yeah. and their mental health, I'd suddenly everything needs to be worded very carefully because...
0: You don't want to be a cause upset. Totally. Yeah.
1: I would hate to talk about like how awful my... And let me just say, for the record, I don't think it was that awful. People have had much worse, yeah. you know, and I was although my 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 dad was not great my um big sisters and my mom and my twin brother loved me unconditionally and Mm. i never felt unloved um i actually you know we're still to this day my family are super tight um and i actually don't feel like i was particularly hard done by um but people could misconstrue that they could watch the video and then start feeling that they've got no right to feel a certain way and and that's that's not the way i want these things to be you know kind of construed
0: Mm -hmm. something that you said about your dad actually made me feel quite emotional there's a point where you say how you don't believe he was a bad man no and that um i think that level of humanity and forgiveness is not a dead cert, you know? Like, you don't mm. get to guarantee that you're going to feel like that. And I guess, is, was that an evolution to arrive at that? Or have you always kind of felt like um, he wasn't a bad man?
1: I don't, I, I don't think I've ever felt like he was a bad man. He did some bad things. Um, like, he missed the birth of my sister because he was in prison for armed robbery. You yeah. know, like, he did a lot of not great bad things. But he... And again, I, I, I don't remember everything because I was quite young. Um so there's lots of it that's that's cloudy and he was much worse than my big sisters and my mum who he obviously beat up but much worse than my big sisters because I think he always wanted boys and they were older than me so I think they got the extent of it whereas for me he was my dad yeah. and I was young so I was you know a daddy's boy um <laughs> but his parents weren't good um they 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 did bad things too and again i I don't want to say they're bad people because i don't believe they were i don't remember them very well but they did bad things and i think for the most part you are a product of your your existence you know um we're all born with the capacity for this and that and some people are more intelligent than others and some people are but you can hone that by the experiences you have you know and i think he probably had bad experiences as a as a young man as a boy Um, And I think that when he was diagnosed with MS, I think he was a bit of a victim of it. Whereas my sister has it. um, And spent two weeks feeling really shit and crying in bed the whole time. But then was like, you know what? I've got two young kids. I'm not going to let this happen. And she's so positive about it and so kind of constructive and active about it that she knows if she has a bad day or she Mm -hmm. gets a bit of it, she can feel the signs. She'll just rest. And other than that, she's... She lives a really normal life and she's super happy and really grateful. Whereas I think my dad got angry and felt like the world owed him a favor, and you know, he was manipulative to basically everyone he ever met. Yeah, but I don't know if that's if he was inherently bad, I think he might have just not been loved the way he should have been.
0: I grew up in a house, um, with a social worker, my mum, and um she always had this phrase that she would talk about that the majority of people she met in her line of work in foster and adoption were more sad than bad. Yeah. And it took me a long time to grapple with what that meant. Mm. But I think that's probably why I felt a little bit emotional reading that about your dad Mm. was because it really rang true of something that I had. Right. Kind of heard as a child that most people are sad, not bad. And, from the way you've described him, just know that's exactly...
1: Yeah, I, I, do you what know what? true? I, I think in a way he even taught me that, kind of indirectly, because one of the things that I actually pride myself on the most is that I'm very empathetic. I can usually pick up on what people are feeling yeah. pretty quickly, just reading a room and being able to sort of work out... Obviously, if I don't know them, it's t- tricky, but if I know someone, I can usually work out if they're off or, yeah. you know, how they're feeling just by whatever it is, their mannerisms, the things they say. And I think... I learned that young because my dad was unpredictable. So you'd walk in the room one day and he'd be all right. And you'd have a cuddle or something. Or he'd play games. I remember he used to draw with me quite a lot. Or you'd walk in the room and he would be awful. And I had to learn quickly to read that so I'd know whether to leave the room (laughs) or get my pencils out. You know what I mean? So I think that's something I brought with me. And I'm quite proud of that, what that's made me because I'm yeah. quite good at reading people. And as a result, I'm quite good at them being there. If people need me, yeah. if they're feeling a bit shit, I can usually pick up on it pretty swiftly. And then I also, because I'm quite sensitive and I think it can be quite gentle when it comes to how people are feeling. I, I think it makes me kind of a good, I'm not to say a healer because I'm not fixing anybody. And obviously I think actually people fix themselves, yeah. but I don't know. A, like a support a, a structure. Support, yeah, because yeah. like I'm um, there, there for support and I think that's one of the things, that I, one of the main things he taught me kind of indirectly yeah. in a way just by his actions. Um, So, you know, we all, our kind of, our experiences are what kind of make us, who, you know, who we are and these are the yeah. things that you take with you. Some of the things you take with you into adulthood like that, like me being empathetic are really good. Some of the other things aren't. So yeah. one of the things I would do is if I walked into the room and he was having one of his days, I'd go and hide somewhere and I'd get my pencils out on my on my own and I'd sit and draw. So I was always really arty, um, but I'd also just shut myself off mm. and hide in a room. Not hide, I'm, I'm exaggerating. I'd be in a room on my own, just drawing away. Um, and that's something I did kind of out of sight, out of mind, in a way. It was safer for me to be not under his nose so I could get away from the tension or, whatever, or the potential that, danger or yeah. whatever it may have been. It was, you know, and that's something I brought with me to adulthood. So sometimes when things get hard for me, I, that's why I shut myself off. Right. Now kind of more metaphorically than physically going into a different yeah, room. You don't go
0: away in colour. Right, you know, I
1: don't go away and draw anymore but I will often find myself in a separate room to everybody else or I will just mentally go, nope, and sort of shut myself off a bit and it go into my own head yeah. um, and stop sort of engaging. And that's one of the things that I brought to adulthood, which when it's kind of at a four or five is quite good because actually sometimes it's quite, if things get hard, it's quite good sometimes to leave the room and take a breath or something. Yeah. But when it's switched up to a 10 and you think, I can't deal with this, I have to go and you just yeah. disappear and no one knows where you are. No one can even reach you because you know. I remember my ex saying, you're doing it, you're doing it again. And I'd be like, Fuck off. Don't want to talk to you right now. And I'd yeah. be quite um, just he- kind of a bit helpless and yeah. like and wouldn't want to respond to anyone or just kind of, you know, would be quite dark. Um, and that's when it's not good, you know. So everything I've learned through my childhood are actually things that in the right way, in the right time, at the right level are really good. Yeah. But when you, um, when things get on top of you and you let them, kind of control you that's when they kind of yeah, become more negative you know yeah
0: and i i guess like you've you've touched on the car um a comparison between feeling like sometimes you need to talk to people and other times not wanting to talk to people mm. um I guess I'm just curious. Like, how do you know the difference? Is is it just when it's a four you can and a ten you can't? Like, yeah, a...
1: essentially, when it's when I, when I don't want to talk to people is when I need to. Yeah, that's kind of what I've learned now. So, so it's it, hard which, to do. which is actually yeah, for me it's really bloody difficult. Yeah, uh, and I'm not sure if. People listening to this will feel the same because it because it might again it it might not manifest in that way. But for me, when I want to shut off and when I don't want to talk to people, I have to nip it in the bud and get yeah. there early. Because if I let it go for another day or so, or I think oh, I'll do it tomorrow, then I won't do it. You yeah. know, and then I'll be spend a week feeling crap on my own. So when I feel it coming on, that's when I have to start texting people or yeah. you know, reaching out. I don't have to tell them I'm feeling shit because I know that if i am starting to feel bad if i send you a text go, hey do you want to hang out just being in your company will kind of help me get back on track so i don't need to let you know if i don't want to yeah you know but i also know that i can feel this i you know i recognize the signs and i can feel it coming on so i need to be around somebody to help pull me out of that funk so you know i might hang out with you i might not be the best company but i know that it will kind of help pull me in the right direction you kind
0: of force yourself to engage in more positive behaviors but
1: sending that text in the first place and then going to meet you for a coffee or something is torture
0: like there's a whole battle before i even arrive to meet you for coffee you've had your battle that day you know yeah
1: absolutely um so uh, you know it's kind of that that's how i know when i need to talk to people so when i don't want to yeah um and you have to do it I mean, I have to do it at the right time. Yeah. Because if I let it go too long, I just will disappear.
0: Yeah. And I guess um, last kind of thing I wanted to to talk about was your life's changed a lot recently. Mm. You know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Even just earlier talking about like buying a house, and you yeah, mentioned yeah, yeah. your girlfriend, and mm-hmm. um, it's been a journey the last few months for you. Yeah. Where where's your head been recently? I've been super positive. Yeah.
1: Actually, I'm really really fortunate that. Um, me and my ex had twelve years together, and we're still best friends. We yeah. just kind of we love each other in a different way now. Um, so it's—I spoke to her on the phone yesterday. You yeah. know, it's really nice that we we have that relationship. But we also, I think, we both knew that it wasn't working the way it should. And I met her when I was eighteen, so I haven't really been an adult mm-hmm. out of her company. Mm-hmm. So although we sort of were like, you know, obviously there were emotions clearly because we, we, we don't spend that long with someone without it being kind of a bit, um, you know, without a few tears and everything, but yeah. we, we basically shook hands and went, cool, you know, and Considant. then there were, then there were yeah. like two weeks where we were both calling each other going, what is life without each other? Cause we haven't done this before. Yeah. But after a couple of weeks of sort of organizing myself, because we'd both had a long time, we knew this was coming in a way mm-hmm. we'd had a long time to sort of, I guess, adjust. Um, I'm genuinely so happy because I haven't lost anything. I look at it as like a a success actually, because we've ticked all the boxes we could tick, you know? Um, and we still are very much in each other's lives. Yeah. And it's wonderful to, to still have that. And I've got a new girlfriend and I'm totally in love and it's so nice to do that again. And, um, she totally supports me you know it's 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 really it's really great it's really great it yeah. genuinely is and I, I think i've had the occasional comment for the most part people are really supportive but i've had the occasional comment going um pe- people have been one or two people have been like i can't believe you couldn't make it work you're like you're sinning or, or you know they're like you have to work at marriages and blah 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 yeah. but i don't think what they what they don't realize is that we had worked at it yeah. and also sometimes breakups can totally be for the best we are both happy and people now and we are both able to be better on our own yeah and in a certain um kind of sense to each other yeah um and I can give my new girlfriend more than yeah. I could in my last relationship yeah. and, and I can receive more too because yeah. I've kind of we, you know, I knew what wasn't working in my last relationship, so I know what I need now, yeah. and equally, I know what I wasn't giving and what I have to give now. So, um, w- I think everyone's really happy, yeah. It's, it's hard doing it in the public eye because the press have a field day with everything, yeah. Um, what's
0: that like to you?
1: You know what? My, my approach is if I don't read it, it doesn't exist.
0: Fair enough, you know. You
1: know I, I, I see I have Google Alerts on my phone, so if someone writes, you know, Jim Chapman, it comes up, but that's more, um. Kind of historically. Yeah. Because I've never really read my own press. My rule is if I haven't done the interview or the photo shoot, I won't read it. Yeah, if you didn't um, create it, if you didn't proactively yeah, totally. Yeah, uh, I always read the things if I'm being interviewed for something because I'm intrigued as to how the interviewer found me. Yeah. Um, and um they usually pick pieces, yeah. like usually in print or or like a big article online or something. So I'm intrigued as to those things. Or if I've done the photo shoot as well it's a similar sort of vibe and i like to see what the shots look like and i'm intrigued as to how they've structured everything and and what they say about me but if it's like tabloids and it's like here i am at an event with my new girlfriend and yeah or or it's sort of we found out that that jim's broken up um doesn't matter
0: like you know like what's reading that gonna do i haven't
1: read a single one of them yeah um and i don't intend to because i i again i've had 10 years of doing this now so i i've learned that even if it is the nicest article in the world or it's super negative either way i do not win because if it's the nicest article in the world i still think oh i didn't mention that bit or oh, i don't like that photo very much and if it's really negative i I get a bit like oh you don't know me at all so it's not good for me in the same way that i don't look at my analytics anymore because it's not good for mental health i just think whatever i do my job and i go home and i switch off so i genuinely haven't word i haven't read any of those articles and i Totally don't intend to. I'm super happy, right? Super happy being in love with my girlfriend and
0: just staying in your own lane. You know, like you're doing what you're doing, you're creating what you want to create, and you're working on what you want to work on. So why does the social commentary around it
1: matter? It doesn't. I, I understand that it's the world I live in, and I can't change it. And in a way, I kind of have a bit of respect for it because. It has got me to where I've got to. So I can't be really happy when they're writing nice things and they're miserable when they're writing things that are a bit more...
0: Well, quite. If you're going to believe the good, you have to believe the bad. Totally. And
1: actually, in a way, um, I'm told, again, I haven't read it, but I'm told that everything, what they've written so far, is either just factual, which is fair enough, or it's not not negative, it's just Just Jim's moved on, a bit gossipy. So it is what it is. It could be awful and they could be pointing fingers and saying that I had an affair or something you know, which I didn't. Yeah. Um, and even if they were saying that, yeah, it'd be annoying, but as long as the parties involved know that it wasn't. Yeah. And we all do. Yeah. Um. That's the main thing. Yeah. You know?
0: Okay. We're going to wrap up. But last thing I ask everybody, mm. it's called cliche corner gem oh um one piece of advice that you could give to to younger jim okay
1: would be? well uh one piece is i've got so many does i have to do one piece you can't have 147 pieces <laughs> we must have um, one piece okay so i think the piece of advice i'd give to my younger self would be that it gets better um and i mean this both in terms of mental health and kind of the the the, the, the grand scheme of things and how because i was i was not in a good place for a while mm-hmm. and now i'm great i'm just super happy but also in terms of my physical appearance (laughs) puberty was very unkind to me and i suddenly i was the shortest kid in school um i was tiny i'd never had a girlfriend before and then suddenly i was six foot three but i weighed like 10 stone nine and a half stone or something so i was essentially emaciated and i couldn't put weight on and like i had my my Tendons couldn't grow as quick as the rest of my body. So I had this weird sort of limp thing. I had to have a brace. Um, My body went a bit wrong. And I was a very ugly duckling. Um, (laughs) But now I kind of, you know, I I have the coolest job in the world and people see my face every day for my living. So um, it definitely gets better. You just have to allow yourself the time to to sort of grow into it. it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. That's some good advice. Jim Chapman, thanks so much for joining us. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Jim Chapman on XY, hosted and produced by me, Ewan Plater. I really hope you've enjoyed the show and I look forward to seeing you all back next week.